Volume 2, Chapter 1 of The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Horton. The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century, by Jane Loudon. Volume 2, Chapter 1. Father Morris, when Abelard and Mrs. Russell confessed to him the following morning the strange spectre they had witnessed, treated the whole as the mere vision of their heated imaginations, and refusing to listen to any of their surmises respecting it, prepared to attend the queen, who, finding herself sufficiently recovered to be able to attend to the duties of religion, had, from the general reputation of his superior sanctity, sent for him to confess her. Her majesty, indeed, seemed rapidly improving, and the hopes of Edmund reviving with her health, he passed every hour he could, abstract from the duties of his station, at the feet of his adored Elvira, his love for whom seemed increased by the imminence of the danger he had just escaped, of losing her forever. In this manner several days had passed, and the strange visit of the mummy, and the accident of the queen, had already taken their place on the shelf with the other evnimens passes of the day, when one morning, whilst Sir Ambrose was dressing, he was startled by an earnest message from the Duke of Cornwall, entreating him to come to him without delay. Sir Ambrose immediately obeyed the summons, and found the Duke walking up and down his study in a state of the greatest agitation, which Father Morris was vainly endeavouring to tranquillise oh my beloved friend exclaimed the duke springing forward and grasping the baronet's hand the moment he saw him approach my dear sir ambrose claudia is no more dead cried sir ambrose involuntarily looking at father morris whose aspect however still preserved only its usual cold and statue-like appearance are you sure she is dead i thought she was better so we all did said the duke but alas, we deceived ourselves, for Father Morris has just seen her expire. Oh, where is Edmund? Why is he not with you? What will become of him? It will destroy him to lose Elvira. And I, too, that have felt so proud in the expectation of his becoming my son-in-law. Oh, it will break my heart. Oh, cried Father Murphy, who was also present. And if that's the case, why don't you let Rosabella take the crown at once? and make no more fuss about it and yet continued the duke i cannot bear that alvira should be deprived of her right she would so become a crown and with her inflexible sense of justice and desire for improvement she would do so much good that i should not feel justified in depriving the country of such a sovereign thus said father morris smiling do we deceive ourselves you are ambitious whilst you think that you are only just believe me if you consult elvira's real happiness you will not impose upon her the troublesome duties of a crown she will make a better wife than a queen for her gentle nature is less fitted to command than to obey rosabella has more firmness i do not agree with you father said sir ambrose in my opinion elvira is infinitely better fitted to be a queen than rosabella for her passions are more under the control of reason that is to say resumed the monk sneeringly they have not yet been called into play what do you mean father began the duke 
nothing that could give you offence my lord returned the priest disgusted myself with the world i naturally thought the princess most likely to find happiness where i seek it myself viz in a life of quiet and retirement enough said the duke but where is edmund let us seek him no doubt he is with elvira poor things we must spoil their billing and cooing edmund was with elvira and was passionately urging his suit whilst she engaged with her embroidery frame listened with a half abstracted mind and emma dutiously waited behind her chair you do not love me said he or you could not answer with such provoking coldness you are so unreasonable edmund i have already told you i have no idea of that passionate overwhelming love you appear to feel it absolutely terrifies me and i am sure it is not natural to my character this silk is too dark emma and so edmund if you feel you cannot be happy with such affection as it is in my power to bestow we had better determine at once to separate good god exclaimed edmund striking his forehead violently with his clenched hand how coldly you talk of our separation what can i do i try everything in my power to please you emma give me my scissors but since you will not hear reason reason cried edmund fiercely seizing her arm and then letting it go again if you talk of reason you will drive me distracted you quite terrify me with your violence edmund said elvira rising and preparing to quit the room oh stay stay my adored elvira exclaimed lord edmund throwing himself upon his knees and catching her hand for heaven's sake stay pardon my impetuosity frown upon me treat me with coldness disdain or contempt but do not do not leave me i do not know what you wish i have repeatedly told you i am ready to become your wife whenever our parents think fit and that i will do everything in my power to make you happy do you call that coldness i do i do indeed freezing insulting coldness oh elvira i would rather see you spurn me here you declare you hated me or know that you doomed me to destruction than hear you speak of our marriage in that calm unvaried tone how unreasonable you are said elvira as henry seymour says you do not understand my character in the least henry seymour cried edmund fiercely how dare he pass an opinion upon my conduct he shall account for his insolent interference oh no no exclaimed elvira turning pale with terror i am sure he meant no harm for heaven's sake edmund my dear edmund continued she earnestly laying her hand upon his arm she paused edmund gazed upon her intently she became confused and added in a faltering voice do not hurt him edmund edmund sighed deeply you shall be obeyed said he at this moment a slight tap at the door announced the arrival of the duke and his friends so so said the duke we have found you have we but you must take your leave of tender scenes for the future what do you mean asked edmund the queen is dead said sir ambrose the glowing countenance of edmund turned of a ghastly paleness and his livid lips quivered as he leaned against the window for support assist him cried the duke he will faint don't distress yourself edmund the death of claudia shall make no alteration in your prospects i am better said edmund faintly attempting to smile and waving off all assistance twas but for a moment the suddenness of the shock overcame me 
I thought the queen was better. She was supposed so, returned the duke, but it seems she had some internal malady her physicians were not aware of. An inward bruise, I believe. But don't make yourself unhappy about it, Edmund. I cannot bear to see you wretched. Let Rosabella take the crown and think no more about it. Your grace wrongs me, said Edmund, his fine countenance glowing with the exalted feelings of his soul. However I may suffer from the violence of my feelings, I can never permit them to interfere with my sense of duty. Elvira has a right to ascend the throne, and if my exertions can ensure her success, she shall be queen. Thou art a brave lad, cried the duke, and will you really try to secure the election of Elvira? When you know by so doing, you will deprive yourself of her forever? I shall do my duty, said Lord Edmund, pressing his lips firmly together, as though to suppress his feelings. Father Mars looked at him from under his overshadowing cowl with a kind of sardonic smile, which seemed to say, You speak well, but let us see how you will act. My noble Edmund, murmured Sir Ambrose, tears rolling down his cheeks. Elvira's eyes thanked her lover for his disinterestedness, whilst the glow which flushed her cheeks betrayed that a deeper emotion than joy at the flattering prospect opened before her swelled in her bosom elvira said lord edmund gazing upon her earnestly as though he would penetrate the inmost recesses of her bosom what are your wishes do not hesitate to declare them for alas much hangs upon your words elvira blushed and cast her eyes upon the ground whilst the rapid changes of her expressive countenance bespoke the agitation of her mind lord edmund comprehended but too well the meaning of her silence and he sighed deeply it is enough said he in a mournful tone then the die is cast he paused a few moments whilst his friends though they looked at him with the deepest commiseration respected his emotion too much to venture to interrupt it then rousing himself he hastily brushed a tear from his eye and exclaimed how weak is human nature i know my duty and i will perform it but yet, O oh Elvira, compose yourself, my beloved Edmund, said his father. Tomorrow you will be more calm. Oh, talk not of tomorrow, replied Edmund. Today is the season for action. I will instantly assemble my friends. I know the army is devoted to me. A council of state will be chosen to direct the kingdom during the interregnum. I must be one of its members some weeks will elapse before the election can i think take place three months is the time fixed said the duke as you know the votes of all the people are to be collected and that with such a population as ours will be no trifle to be sure it is the deputies that are to do the business but then it will take some time to elect them when the founder of the present dynasty ordained her successor should be chosen by the votes of the whole people said sir ambrose she wisely recollected the difficulty that must arise from collecting their votes individually and directed they should elect deputies but when she ordered that every ten thousand men throughout the kingdom should choose a deputy of their own rank and station to come to london to represent them she did not calculate upon the immensity of our present population nor think of the evils the presence of such a disorderly body of men must bring upon the capital yet any attempt to reduce their number would inevitably overturn the government observed father mars 
for as it is the only act of freedom the people have long been permitted to enjoy they will be proportionably tenacious of it and the majority of these deputies is to decide the election said edmund musing then our business must be to secure that majority think you that any good can be done by endeavoring to procure the return of those who are disposed to be favorable to us very little returned father mars to whom this observation was addressed for the lower classes from their conceit and pedantry are extremely difficult to manage though their deputies may possibly be more tractable as notwithstanding the ordinance of the queen they will probably be more polished and less learned the lower classes will be ill able to spare the time necessary to become deputies whilst the country gentlemen will be delighted to obtain something to do we must be prompt said the duke at all events i don't like delay true replied edmund starting from a reverie into which he had fallen i must get myself nominated a member of the council and we must arrange our other plans afterwards the party now separated and elvira left alone with her companion indulged in dreams of futurity i am sorry for the death of claudia said she but i never loved her she was so cold and uninteresting such a mere matter-of-fact being she had no soul emma and how can one love a being so totally passionless and insipid i wonder continued she after a short pause what henry seymour will think of this emma smiled poor lord edmund said she i know what you would say returned elvira i am sorry for him and i admire his conduct extremely there is really something very noble about him and though i do not love him it is only from the fault of my character i am incapable of feeling strong passions yet i pity him poor lord edmund emma again smiled for she thought differently and she saw in spite of this pity and admiration that in a week poor lord edmund would be forgotten in the meantime rosabella's mind was a prey to the most violent passions a billet from father morris had informed her of the death of her cousin and of the designs brooding against her interests i will be revenged said she i will show them mine is not a soul to dwell upon impotent grief i will assemble my friends my father's party was strong in the state it cannot be quite extinct let me see to whom shall i apply the lords noodle and doodle both of ancient families were devoted to your father and were under great obligations to him when they were young observed marianne but they are such fools said rosabella they are well connected returned her confidant and power does not always attend upon talent true and as they are so weak i may guide them as i will do not rely upon that folly is generally obstinate and though there may be hopes of convincing a man of sense fools will always have their own way how then are they to be dealt with by letting them fancy they direct when in fact they are directed apply to lords noodle and doodle as though for advice more than assistance consult them how you ought to act and suggest the advantages that will arise from your possessing the throne so artfully that they may fancy what you say the dictates of their own minds and then if they advise any course they in some measure pledge themselves to support you if you pursue it i do not doubt obtaining their sanction and that of lord gustavus de montfort but i wish i could also obtain the countenance of dr hardman 
for he has many friends and some talents said rosabella and i own i do not feel satisfied to trust myself entirely in the hands of any of the others talk of liberty and public spirit replied marianne promise a redress of grievances and a radical reform of all evils and you may secure dr hardman yet he is not a fool nay he is even shrewd penetrating and persevering but as lunatics are generally mad only upon one subject so even men of sense have generally some prevailing folly and his is that of being thought of importance in the state indeed in my opinion there are very few human beings whom we may not make subservient to our views if we have but penetration enough to discover their weak sides and art enough to avail ourselves of the discovery the world is very much obliged to you for the high opinion you have of it returned rosabella however i like your advice and will pursue it but do you think father mars will approve oh i will answer for him interrupted marianne i will then write to each of the three lords continued rosabella and appoint a time and place for an interview with each i must attend to the doctor afterwards beware said marianne you have a difficult game to play the old proverb says it is well to have two strings to one's bow but four i fear will be too much for you to manage fear me not cried her mistress impetuous as i generally am i can be cautious when i see occasion in pursuance of her resolution rosabella wrote to the nobleman whose assistance she wished to secure and receiving favorable answers the hour of twelve that night was fixed upon for a secret meeting between lord gustavus and herself upon the subject the utmost secrecy was requisite as rosabella knew the fiery temper of her uncle and felt confident that if he discovered her plans before they were ripe for execution his vengeance would have no bounds she wished therefore to ascertain her strength privately and as she was aware a fruitless struggle would only involve her in ruin she resolved not to betray her intentions till there appeared at least a fair prospect of success for this reason when the duke informed her of the death of the queen she affected only the surprise she might naturally be supposed to feel at the suddenness of the event and appeared absorbed in grief for the loss of her cousin without seeming even to think of the consequences likely to ensue to herself in short she acted her part so well that the duke was completely deceived and when he returned to sir ambrose after his conference with her he exclaimed we had no occasion to alarm ourselves or give ourselves so much trouble i don't believe rosabella even thinks about the throne and i am sure she doesn't care a straw whether she has it or not i am even confident from what i have seen to-night that i have only to express my wishes in favour of elvira to have her resign all pretensions immediately sir ambrose smiled and shook his head incredulously and the duke was provoked for like all weak obstinate men he was extremely tenacious of the infallibility of his judgment why do you shake your head said he do you disbelieve my assertion i do not disbelieve your assertion i only doubt your penetration and why do you doubt that because i know rosabella then you think her indifference affected i think it too great to be real moderation is not by any means a characteristic of rosabella she is ever in extremes and when she appears otherwise 
depend upon it she is only acting a part and she has some end in view that she hopes to gain by it well let her be as sly as she will she cannot deceive me i'll watch her i'll defy her to think walk look or speak without my knowing of it and if i find she nourishes even the thought of rivaling elvira she shall quit my house immediately i will encourage no vipers sir ambrose smiled inwardly at the mistaken confidence of his friend in his own judgment thinking it useless however to irritate him by farther opposition he endeavoured to turn the conversation upon another subject it is strange said he how frequently i have been thinking of that mummy if there be no deception in the business it is a perfect miracle and what deception can there be returned the duke peevishly you think yourself so very wise and that you know so much better than other people only because you are always suspecting something wrong now for my part i think as poor dr entwerfen used to say incredulity is often as much the offspring of folly as credulity i wonder what has become of the doctor and edric for ill as edric behaved he is still my son and i own i should like to know where he is oh i don't think you have the least occasion in the world to trouble yourself about him depend upon it he and his mad friend dr entwerfen are rambling about egypt and are happier now than ever they were before in their lives if you are right said sir ambrose and they are now in egypt as they have lost their balloon they may be in want even of necessaries and it is very right they should be so replied the duke what business had they to go away the hours of this eventful day rolled on heavily with rosabella the important consequences of the struggle she was about to engage in forcibly impressed her mind ruin must inevitably ensue if she failed and even if she succeeded her past seemed strewed with thorns the anxiety natural to the intrigue she was about to be involved in also hung about her though haughty and vindictive rosabella was not naturally deceitful indeed the very violence and impetuosity of her passions rendered it difficult for her to appear otherwise than she really was the secret intercourse however which through the intervention of marianne she had long maintained with father morris had somewhat practised her in concealment but it was still repugnant to her nature she was now anxiously expecting a visit from the reverend father and as he was generally remarkably punctual to his appointments his non-appearance filled her with a sensation of dread and a presentiment of evil crept over her that she tried in vain to overcome it is long past the hour the father mentioned said marianne after a long pause during which she had been listening with the utmost attention to every sound i cannot imagine the cause of his absence surely our plans have not been discovered and as she spoke her blanched cheeks and livid lips betrayed the deep interest she took in his fate how mournfully that heavy bell clangs in my ear said rosabella it seems to ring the death knell of my hopes a gloomy foreboding hangs upon my mind and undefinable horrors rise in dim perspective before me hark cried marianne her sense of hearing sharpened by anxiety he comes yes yes he comes added she after a short pause and in a few seconds rosabella heard the father's well-known step you are very late said she as he entered the room good god what is the matter asked marianne as the haggard agitated features of the priest met her eye 
you look like one who has held communion with infernal spirits you say right marianne replied the father in a deep hollow tone i have indeed conversed with spirits for never could those fearful eyes which still seem to glare upon me belong to mortal what do you mean asked rosabella i have again seen the mummy that fearful spectre from the tomb even now he crossed my path and bade me beware or i should become his slave i am not timid but my very soul recoiled from the hideous aspect of that awful being the surcloths of the grave are still wrapped round him his fearful eyes glare with unearthly lustre and his deep sepulchral voice thrills through every nerve are you certain it is no deception asked marianne deception returned the priest even i trembled marianne when i gazed upon the countenance of that tremendous being and read there the traces of fierce and ungoverned passions wild and destructive in their course as the raging whirlwind even i dread the influence he might exert upon our destinies and shuddered at the thought of such a creature's being released from the fetters of the tomb and sent back as a destroying spirit upon earth the eternal gloom which hangs upon his brow seems to bespeak a fallen angel for such is the deadly hate that must have animated the rebellious spirits when expelled from heaven his look is terrific and my blood froze in my veins at his hard laugh which seemed to ring in my ears like the mockery of fiends when they have involved the human being inextricably in their toils it may be a fiend murmured marianne in a low whisper at this moment the clock struck twelve rosabella started at the sound lord gustavus will expect me cried she go then replied the priest with marianne i will follow presently with trembling limbs beating heart and all the trepidation which the consciousness of guilt cannot fail to give even to the firmest mind rosabella and marianne proceeded to the terrace where they found lord gustavus waiting to receive them you may think it strange my lord said the agitated princess as she advanced leaving her confidant at the gate which led from the garden that i should desire this meeting by no means by no means said lord gustavus condescendingly indeed i have already had some conversation with an emissary of yours that has let me into your views and i find from him your ideas upon several important subjects are so clear so just so sensible and so accordant with my own that i feel disposed to become your partisan even before you utter a syllable and who is this emissary asked rosabella unable to account for a reception so unexpectedly gracious and alarmed at what she feared a premature exposure of her plans father morris replied lord gustavus alarmed in his turn lest he should have unguardedly committed himself he told me he was an accredited agent of yours and even induced me to-to-your lordship need not hesitate returned rosabella i was not aware that father morris had seen you or i should not have expressed surprise i have been induced then said lord gustavus to bring with me two friends of mine lord maysworth and dr hardman they are fully convinced of the justness of your ideas respecting retrenchment and reform and they think your plans of curtailing the expenditure by throwing all the power of the state into the hands of a few trustworthy individuals upon whom you may thoroughly rely such as them or myself for instance most excellent 
poor rosabella was here completely puzzled as she had not the slightest idea of what plan lord gustavus could possibly allude to nor indeed was it probable she should it being entirely the offspring of the creative brain of father morris invented by him solely for the purpose of the winning of the noble lords to whom he had confided it over to her party rosabella was naturally quick and possessing abundantly that very unexplainable but well-known faculty designated tact she instantly divined the motive that had induced father mars to attribute this scheme to her and determined to avoid if possible betraying her ignorance lord maysworth and dr hardman who had remained at a little distance and whom the agitation of rosabella had prevented her before seeing now advanced and after having been presented to the princess the former assured her of his devotion to her cause i admire your ideas exceedingly said he and particularly your intention of removing lord edmund from the command of the army and placing an older and more experienced person in his stead lord edmund cried rosabella thrown off her guard by the sudden mention of that name father morris told me so resumed lord maysworth in surprise and he told you truly interrupted rosabella father morris is worthy of all the confidence i can repose in him in fact he knows my inmost thoughts but i was not aware that he had seen you a conversation now ensued in the course of which lord maysworth detailed with admirable minuteness a variety of subjects calling for reform rosabella did not understand half he said for his calculations bewildered her and her mind accustomed to soar with the eagle flight of genius and take in oceans with a glance could scarcely condescend to listen to the petty articles of economy in expenditure to which it seemed principally his object to draw her attention she assented however to all he said and having let him speak as long as he liked without showing symptoms of weariness and having luckily said yes and no in the right places he departed quite enchanted and completely gained over to her party declaring her to be without exception one of the most sensible young women he had ever conversed with in his life to this lord gustavus and dr hardman assented as she had appeared also to acquiesce in all they had said and the noble lords and learned doctor departed perfectly satisfied scarcely were they gone when father morris appeared my dear father exclaimed rosabella enraptured at the result of the interview congratulate me lord maysworth dr hardman and lord gustavus are our own i rejoice sincerely my child returned the priest for heaven knows i feel as great an interest in your welfare as in my own but what do they say let us hear if your hopes are well founded at first their expressions were rather of a negative nature for they told me rather that a party existed against my rival than for myself they say the duke has many enemies from his obstinate and conceited disposition they said also that my father had had many friends and do they exist no longer then that you lay such emphasis on the word had asked father mars bitterly they exist but it seems my father has been so unfortunate as to lose their friendship returned rosabella for lord gustavus repeatedly alluded to that crime which it is said my father committed in his youth and which i would sacrifice my life to wash away crime did he dare to call it crime he did indeed 
and it is not possible to describe the torture that rent my bosom as he spoke i can bear to hear my father called unfortunate but i cannot endure to have him suspected of having been guilty nor was he guilty girl none but fools or idiots dare breathe such an accusation against his name ten thousand blessings on you for relieving my mind from the agony of believing him unworthy of my love i am perfectly satisfied with your assurance and yet methinks i would fain know his history rosabella you never knew your father you were but three years old when circumstances occurred that urged him to commit a deed of desperation seek not to inquire farther and endeavor since misfortune has thrown a shade over your father's name to redeem it by the lustre of your own as an obscure individual whatever might be my will power would be wanting but it shall not be wanting you shall be queen i swear it though all the powers of heaven and earth should unite to oppose my designs and though even blood should be necessary to seal the compact he was going on when a fiendish laugh rang in his ears and looking up he beheld a gigantic form of cheops standing over him the bright moonbeams showed with horrible distinctness the strange attire savage features and unearthly gaze of the mummy as his horrid laugh echoed from the wall behind them and peeled across the water rosabella had not before seen him except when she knelt before the dying queen and shrieking with horror she fled for refuge to her own apartment whilst cheops thus tauntingly addressed the priest you were conspiring mischief though the language your lips employed was unknown to me that of your looks was clear men do not cast their eyes upon the earth and murmur forth their accounts as though they trembled at the sound of their own voices when their purposes are such as will bear avowal make me your confidant and by the aid of my serpent deity my guardian knef i may assist you but force me to become your enemy and typhon himself never pursued isis and the infant horus with more unrelenting vengeance then i will follow you and destroy your plans dreading alike to trust or enrage this mysterious being and cursing the evil chance that had led him to that spot father mars who like all the english in those days was an universal linguist found himself obliged partially to obey this injunction and inform the mummy of his design cheops burst into one of his terrific laughs of derision and so he said you would make yonder feeble girl who fled screaming at my approach a queen a fit monarch for a warlike people can a woman's arm resist an invasion of the pali or a woman's hands direct the reins of misraim's government alas alas where am i wandering i forgot the change wrought in my destiny and that your people seem powerless as a sovereign you would give them be satisfied i will not betray thee indeed so do i hate thy countrymen that i shall rejoice to see thee triumph in deceiving them beware however how thou attemptest to deceive me lest my vengeance quick sure and unforeseen as a secret agency of the epopti should fall upon and trust thee at the very moment of the fruition of thy wishes fearing whilst he hated the mysterious being thus strangely thrust into his most inmost secrets father morris promised obedience 
and the mummy his wild eyes flashing triumph held out his hand to him give me your hand said he and let us seal our compact father morris shuddered for the words of the mummy recalled those he had just employed when this fearful apparition broke in upon him and brought with them a train of thoughts he would now willingly have shaken off he did not dare however to refuse and reluctantly held out his hand the mummy seized it with an iron grasp and an icy chill seemed to creep to father morris's heart as his hideous ally burst into one of his demon-like laughs and left him to his own meditations unable to shake off the horror that oppressed him for he felt as though he had entered into a compact with the fiend the priest stood immovable gazing at the supernatural appearance of cheops as he stalked across the terrace his gaunt figure rendered more awful by the grave clothes that bound it was magnified in the moonbeams which seemed to increase rather than to mitigate the unearthly ugliness of the apparition they shone upon the priest was fixed in a fearful trance in imagination he still felt the cold and iron grasp of the mummy whose eyes seemed as though they were still looking into his very soul and whose solemn accents were even now scarring his faculties at length however father morris recovered something of his self-possession and fled from the spot he scarcely knew in what direction under the fear at every turning of again encountering the dreaded mummy end of chapter one of volume two